the Bible Study Podcast, Episode 68. This is the 17th episode in a series on the Book of Romans. I'm titling Christianity 101. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Today we continue on our study of the Book of Romans in Romans 15, where Paul writes, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, as it is written, The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. This is a similar theme to what we talked about in Romans 14, where Paul was saying on the issue of eating meat or not eating meat, that what was important was our neighbor, our brother and sister. And we should at some times be willing not to be right, but to be thinking of their own good ahead of ours. So Paul continues that theme here in chapter 15, although in this case it's a little more general. But it says basically that even Christ didn't just do what he wanted, didn't just try and please himself. And Paul here is quoting from part of a verse from Psalm 69, verse 9. For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. And he is using that as an analogy here of showing that as Christ was putting the will of the Father ahead of his own. We saw that most clearly in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is literally sweating blood and saying, I would just as soon not do this, but your will be done. And so Paul is encouraging us to take Jesus' example at that point and to put one another ahead of ourselves, to try and build up one another, to try and encourage one another for the good of our brothers and our sisters. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. And then Paul goes on to write, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Paul continues the same thought here. He is desiring for the church a spirit of unity. He is desiring that we would have one heart and mouth, that we would speak the same thing, that we would care about the same things, that we would grow closer to one another, that we would care for one another, that we would build one another up. And then he uses the following analogy. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. And so Paul is using a number of Old Testament references here to talk about Christ becoming a servant of the Jews, but also that the promises of the patriarch really originally meant to also apply to the Gentiles. And he's documenting that from these promises from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy, from Isaiah, from Psalms. He also says, notice that 
Accept one another then as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. That all of this brings praise to God as we love and encourage and build one another up. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is certainly something worth hoping for, worth hoping for one another for, that the God of hope would fill us with joy and peace and hope. As Paul closes out this letter, and I think we may do that today, he talks in a more personal tone. He says, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. I have written you quite boldly on some points, as if to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by his Holy Spirit. So Paul is conscious as he's writing this letter that his role is that he has been sent as an apostle as a minister to the gentiles apostle one who is sent and he says he has a priestly duty a priestly duty is a duty to come between god and others to bring reconciliation if you look at the latin the word that is used for priest if you've heard people talk about the pope for instance is pontiff And that is the same root word that we get for bridge. And so Paul understands that his duty is to try and bring the Gentiles as an acceptable offering to God, sanctified, made holy by the Holy Spirit. Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way to Ilricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. So Paul says that part of his whole ministry here is being someone who is out on the fringes of the mission field. He is going to places where Christ is not known. And he thinks that that's the main reason he has not yet had the opportunity to come to the church in Rome where there are Christians already, that there are other things that God wants him to do that are higher priority. But, as he goes on, but now there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through, and to have you assist me on my journey there, after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in service of the saints there, for Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do so, and indeed they owed it to them. For if Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task, I have made sure that they have fully received this fruit. I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. 
I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Paul does go to Rome, and Paul does get a chance to preach in Rome, but what he doesn't know at the time he writes this, as he's heading towards Jerusalem, is that he will be arrested, and that when he finally gets to Rome, he will be in chains for his faith. And so he will get to Rome, and he will get a chance to be there, but it will take a few years as he is imprisoned in Jerusalem, and then later on in Caesarea Philippi, the Roman capital. But finally, he will submit himself to the emperor's justice and will be sent to Rome. On the way, he'll have shipwrecks, but he will finally get to Rome. We don't know whether he ever got to Spain. There isn't direct evidence in the Bible that he does. And as Paul finishes this letter, he sends a number of personal greetings, and that's what chapter 16 is. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Chancrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first to convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been imprisoned with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachus. Greet Apelles, tested and proved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative, greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my friend Perseus and another woman who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen by the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegion, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerenus, and his sister, and Olympus and the saints with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Two things strike me as I read this passage. One is, always read names from the Old Testament or the New Testament with authority, and people will believe you know how to pronounce them. And the second one is, we sometimes think of Paul as being in ministry by himself, and he wasn't. And this is one of those lists of names that many of whom we haven't heard elsewhere, and yet we get a picture of the fellowship and the support that encouraged Paul in his journey. Priscilla and Aquila we meet elsewhere. Uh, The couple things that are noted about them is that she is mentioned first. Priscilla is a woman's name and Aquila. And we are told elsewhere that they were Jews who were exiled from Rome by Claudius when he kicked out the Jews from Rome. And they had become Christians and were ministers with Paul in Corinth. And they were especially dear to him. And now apparently some of the church is meeting in their house. The church obviously at this point has no church buildings, and so it would meet in various homes. And they are definitely leaders and were leaders with Paul in other places. I urge you brothers to keep watch 
out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, and so I am full of joy over you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of our Lord Jesus be with you. As Paul writes this, the church is not yet in a period of persecution, but that will come soon, and Paul will die in Rome, we understand, as will Peter, and the church in Rome will be probably the hardest hit from persecution, being so central to the center of the empire. And yet still, for every martyr that was killed in the Colosseum, they said two new converts would leave as they watched the faith of these people. So the people that Paul is writing to here would be the seeds for the growth of the church, but many of them would pay a high price for it. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, my relatives. I Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoys, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus, send you greetings. Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey him, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. And with that run-on sentence and that benediction from Paul, we bring to a close our study of the Book of Romans. I hope that this has been useful for you. My plan is next week to start a shorter series on the Book of James, which is an interesting counterbalance. And Romans, we definitely learn and focus on grace of God. And in James, we focus on our response and we focus on faith shown through works. So faith that is not just head knowledge, but faith that is acted out. If you have any questions or comments on this, feel free to send me an email at host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.